Today, I'm speaking with someone who built a six-figure business while working a full-time job. Uh, so put that into perspective. They come home at 8 o'clock at night and then work for 30 minutes to work on their business and weekends, of course. So I dial in on my guest today, how they did it, what are some of the principles they use for success and how you can apply it for your business, even if you know you're not employed, you're working for yourself. But either way, whether you are you know, trying to get out of 9-5 or you... Uh, just fresh out of nine five, and you're an entrepreneur. You're gonna find a lot of value in today's episode. And if you're a bit more experienced, there's some goodness too. Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use the stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence, so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. My guest today is Louisa Jo, and she's founder of LouisaJo.com, and she teaches people how to go from employee to entrepreneur while scaling their business to six and seven figures, and she's helped thousands of students start their own, loan, start their own business from scratch, make the first 10 to $100,000 in less than a year, and scale to six and seven figures. And I had a really cool conversation today with uh, Louisa. Uh, because like I said at the start of the episode, she kind of tells you what she focused on first when she had absolutely no time. So if you're one of those people who were just like, yeah, I've got, so what do I do first? You know, that's what you're going to find out today, plus a bunch of other really important key principles that Louisa teaches her and her students. So without further ado, here's my conversation today with Louisa Joe. And if you want to find out more details about her, her offers, what she's got to say, where you can continue the conversation with her. She's got her own YouTube channel, Instagram, website, that cool stuff. I'm going to leave it down below in the uh, description. Hey, this is Jules Dan here. I'm joined by Louisa Joe from louisajoe.com. She's the founder of her brand and uh, I'm super excited to talk with you today, Louisa. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm really excited to have a chat with you. You're from New York City. That's actually one of my favorite cities uh, because I actually got lost in the Met believe it or not. And um, I, no, I wasn't actually lost. I just, I was just lost in imagination. Uh, it was, it was so, so cool. Um, but enough about me, Louisa, I, I'd love to learn a little about you, a little bit about you, your business and how you got to where you are today. Oh man. I mean, it's been, it's been a good journey for sure. So my business helps entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs start, build and scale their businesses. So yeah. all stages from scratch to six figures, from six to seven figures and beyond. Um, I mean, I think I started this business about mm, maybe like eight years ago when I had just left my job. I had taken my job skills and turned it into a six figure business before I turned in my notice. And I mean, it was definitely tough. That's cool. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was awesome after I'd done it and turned in my notice and people started asking me, Hey, how are you able to do it? How are you able to do it before you left your job mm. while working a really busy job? And I started helping people and basically that developed into my, one of my programs employed entrepreneur. 
since then, over the years, having just grown my own business, helping and helping others do so, I've put out just, I think over like, I don't know, 15 different courses and programs and coaching programs to, to help people at various different stages. Yeah. And yeah. here we are today. Okay. Yes. You gave the cliff notes version. I love that because it means I get to dig into the good bits that I know awesome. are going to be the good bits. And the first one is going to be, um, how did you manage your time as an employee and work a business on the side? Like what were, what were the key things you focused on to make sure oh, you got shit done? Yeah. I mean, it, it was not easy. I just remember working all the time. There were a few key things. The first was just having to be able to focus on just a few essentials in your business because I would go to work. I would come home maybe, I don't know, seven, maybe eight, be really tired, have maybe just 30 minutes before I wanted to go to sleep mm. and just have to repeat that. And then have a little bit more time on the weekends to work. And so when you have just a few minutes, maybe half an hour, even some days, you can't mess around and you don't have a lot of time to be wasting on things that don't matter. And so during yeah. that, I would just focus on, so back then it was finding people in Facebook groups, finding small business owners who are interested in learning about having their ads, running their ads, getting help with that. That's what I was yeah. doing in yeah. my job at the time and helping people with. And, um, that's, that's all I did. So I didn't focus on a pretty website and focus on doing funnels, anything in the beginning. And I really just got my first few, quite a few first few clients that way. First by figure is just by talking to people and providing value. Oh, okay. So you went into Facebook groups and built relationships. Surprise, surprise. That's, that's a very common thing that I hear from a lot of people and what, what skill, sorry for my ignorance. If I didn't quite look up look you up what skill were you selling to these people at the start or what service were you providing yeah so it was what i just mentioned helping them with their facebook ads my bad my bad my bad okay yeah that that was my job at the time and i mean i didn't realize what a great job skill set i had built and how demand in demand it was about maybe 10 years ago so okay you're doing facebook ads 10 years ago um are you man if you're doing that today, it's a prickly minefield out there with Facebook ads. So you got it in a really good time. But the principle that you just mentioned, you know, spend the time that you do have focusing on the things that move the needle, which is going into groups and building relationships. That's still applicable today. I'm sure that's what you still teach people today with. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the industry with the specifics, right? Mm -hmm. Facebook groups aren't the right fit for everyone, depending on your business. But the principle, yeah, absolutely. You don't need to be putting your time into creating a gorgeous website right now. If Mm. you're just starting out at some point, that's going to be important, but right now find your potential clients, figure out where they are, figure out how you can get in front of them and talk to them. Mm. That's really what it comes down to. Exactly. So from there, you just got what, like four clients of, I'm just making up numbers, four clients at 2,500 a piece. That's 10 K. So, um, what I did was I started and I figured out what my hourly salary was. And my first client, it was so interesting. This is how I even realized it was a business. I went into Facebook groups. I was thinking, I don't know what I can really help people with. At that time, I tried Mm -hmm. 
a few other businesses. I tried career coaching, gotten some clients, but realized I didn't want to do it because I would coach people to get into their careers where I was, and then they would want to leave their job. Uh, I did some Microsoft Excel consulting. I realized, you know what, I'm good at this, but I do it all day in my job and I don't want to keep on doing it. Yeah. And yeah. so at that point I was going to Facebook groups. I saw someone talking, asking about this. And mm. so I reached out and said, Hey, I don't have anything to sell you, but I do this in my job and I'd love to help you for free. All I ask in return is that you help me with a few market research questions. And so we did that. We had a call. Yeah. And then for about two weeks afterwards, she just sent me emails asking me questions. And I remember thinking, oh, cool. Someone wants to know about this. I thought it was my job and I wouldn't be able to do anything with it. Mm. And so I was just so excited. And then about two weeks of the back and forth, one day I opened up my email and it's an email from her saying, hey, how can I work with you? You've given me so much value for free. I want to hire you. So I actually had to say to her, okay. That's awesome. Um, give me a week to figure out what price is even fair. I don't even know what I could charge and sell. And let's talk about it in a week. So I did yeah. that. Yeah. We hopped on, on a call in a week. And then she ended up buying from me, even though I had no clue what I was like, how to have a sales conversation. And I was so nervous because she already knew I knew what I was talking about. So we built that relationship and that's how she was excited to buy a $5,000 package from me at the time. Now that was my first sale. And I really lucked out because I didn't realize how tough it can be to sell a higher price point package when you don't know what you're doing, yep. when no one knows who you are, you don't even know yep. how to sell. And so after that, I basically repeated the process. I gave people value, shared my package. And what happened was because for my next few sales calls, I hadn't spent like the two weeks of intense like essays back and forth showing that, yeah, I really know what I'm talking about. People were like, mm, I don't really know you, right? Yes, I can see your LinkedIn, but I don't really see any content from you online. And so mm, I don't feel comfortable paying that. And so I, I did something that looking back, I'm so grateful I did. I decided, okay, you know what? If price point is the issue, I'm fine with that. I'll get my price point back up to my salary rate later on. I'm not too worried about that. I did it once, but mm -hmm. right now, because I'm building my reputation, let me just get some clients. And so I just asked myself, Hey, what is the lowest price point that I'd be willing to take on a client with working with and not feel resentful about it? I just kind of just picked a number out of thin air and it happened to be $1,500 for about three months. And so I said, okay, let me do that. I took, uh, as soon as I kind of started sharing that new price point, it became such an easier sell. And so I believe I made one or two sales at that price point, And then I bumped it back up to 5,000 and never looked back. Okay. Well, this is the part I want to dive into. Do you believe that it was kind of like a confidence thing um, that maybe you have to charge less Cause this is something we all have to play on our heads, right? Um, yeah. It's like people won't value value unless you value your value. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So the truth is I actually did not have the confidence issue in charging the price because remember mm -hmm. I sold my first one, no problems at $5,000. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I want and to dive into the, this. Yeah. The reason I didn't struggle with confidence is because I, in my mind, I reasoned it out as like, okay, so it was $5,000 for a six month package. I knew how much work about that client, that first client was going to take me because mm. of how much detail uh, and time I'd spent answering her questions. So I knew it was going to be a good chunk of time. 
So I basically said, okay, I think it's gonna be this amount of time. My hourly rate is this. I mean, I had a great six figure salary. So put that into that, multiplied it by the time and came up with $5,000. And so it felt really fair to me. I was like, look, this is my market rate. It's very fair. And I know what I'm talking about and I know I can help you. Yeah. Uh, the, what I, what I ran into it with all the people who didn't really know me or my career credentials or anything like that, that started affecting my confidence because I had a series of so many no's in a row. I believe over 20 no's in a row where people were just saying that. And in the mm. beginning, I remember thinking, no, this is not a big deal. I mean, this is just my salaried rate and you're going to get incredible value for it. But as time went on, I got more and more no's that did affect my confidence. And I remember thinking, oh man, you know, maybe this is a little bit too high for the market. And so I dropped the price, not only to make it an easier sell for my next client, but also just to make it easier sell for me. So Most, I wouldn't have yeah. to repeat, you know, that 31st or whatever call and just know, oh my God, this is going to be the same process. I could kind of just tell myself, okay, yeah, this I'm doing something different. This is such a no brainer price point. I mean, it's so ridiculously generous in terms of value. I can sell it with confidence. It's going to be easy for them to buy. And we're just going to do this so that I get a client. I rebuild my confidence and I start getting some testimonials too. Yeah. Okay. That's what I wanted to back. Uh, so did you have proof to back you up with that um, high, higher price package? Was that the main resistance people had? Actually, no, it was that they didn't know me. Mm. Um, this was quite a while ago. And so, you know, I've always looked young, but back then I looked even younger. And so I remember one person saying, you hey, look, I can't like, yes, I see your LinkedIn and it's great, but I don't see any, you know, your website. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, see yeah. like, you know, your features and there's no authority. Media, out like, there exactly. And so I, I can't buy from you. I remember one person being like, you know, I can't buy from you because you look like you're 12. Right. And it, <laughs> so it's mean. okay. I guess if you, yeah, it, I guess it's okay. If you look like you're 12, if you have the credentials to back it up online, but I didn't, I didn't have any of that. And so it was yeah. all working against me. Yeah. Well, you should say and the YouTubers so, online yeah. these days, man, they're young. <laughs> they, they're killing it. Some of the 12 year olds. I love it. I love it. it. Every generation I feel like starts younger and younger, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what, once you did actually lower your, so is this what you, so I'm curious to hear that when you teach your students, maybe they are in a job or maybe they're just a freelancer and they've got a few clients, but nothing's really scaling. What, what do you suggest to them to get the ball rolling? Is it a confidence thing? Is it a price point thing? Is it an offer thing? Obviously it might be a bunch of different things, but I'm curious yeah. to hear your perspective. I would say it's a bunch of different things and it also depends on the situation. So you mentioned like if someone has a few clients already and they're not scaling, that could not, it could be that it's not a confidence or an offer thing. It's simply getting out there and getting more leads thing. Right. And so right. if that's the case, it's not that anything needs to change. It's that they need to get more leads. Now, if the situation is that they're, they've been doing something for a while and they're not getting any results, kind of like I was, I was putting myself out there. I was talking to potential clients, but not making any sales. Then it's time to evaluate. All right. Is it the offer? Is it not attractive enough? Is it the price point? Is it your audience? Is it how you're presenting it? And we evaluate all of those things. Yeah. Okay. What's the most common stumbling obstacle that you see? with your students and your, your, your clients when it comes to that sort of thing? For, for new entrepreneurs, most common obstacle, well, I would say there are two. The first is not really presenting your offer in a way that connects with people. So yes, a really common huge. example. Yeah, it's huge, right? Like 
really common example um, is with health coaching. I think this is one we can all relate to, even if we're not health coaches, uh, is I'll have a health coach come to me and say, okay, every health coach and their mother talks about losing weight. And I don't want to talk just about that. I want to help people be really healthy. And so I'm not going to talk about the weight loss at all. And the thing is, when you're saying, hey, I'm going to help you be healthy, it's so vague. And I completely appreciate the sentiment. But it's not the result that people want. People want to lose weight. That's why health successful health coaches talk about it. Mm. And so it's about in that example, and pretty much every case reframing in a way where you're communicating to someone, Hey, I can help you get what you want. And then you can share. And by the way, we're not going to be doing fad diets. We're not going to be starving you so on and so forth. You're going to become healthier and feel better while in the process of losing weight. All the foods you love while looking sexy at the beach. That sounds amazing, right? So like really understanding how to communicate that because that's not something we're taught. We're just taught to be like, hey, speak in a corporate kind of language, be buzzwordy. Mm. And that's not what people relate to. Mm. And so I would say that's thing number one. Thing number two is knowing how to get in front of potential clients, like knowing how to find potential clients, knowing how to put yourself in front of them and put your content in front of them, which is again, not something we're taught, right? You might be like, you might be thinking, okay, I'll just post on social media because that's what I see everybody else doing. I'll put up a beautiful website and people will naturally find me. A lot of those common kind of thoughts that that we might have, and I know I had in the beginning of mm. my business, but the truth is, that's not gonna, <laughs> that's not how it works there. I don't even know how many uh, social media accounts, how many websites out there, you've got to put yourself in front of clients. And so you've got to do both of those things. And the, the majority of new business owners who are struggling and a lot actually who are struggling to scale after at a certain point, those are the two biggest things that are going to move the needle. Yeah. And, and um, it sounds like you could perfect the offer all you want, but unless you get in front of clients, then it won't matter. So if you had to pick yeah. one, it'd be getting in front of clients first and then sort of fumbling your way. Obviously, yeah, ideal world you know, is both. Right. Yeah. You know, Because, you know, if you can get in front of clients and you can talk to them, just like how I started in my first online business. Mm, exactly. Like, I didn't really know how to sell. I had no sales background. I didn't really understand. Like, I knew the results I could help someone with, but I was brand new to copywriting, right? I was not really familiar with how to market myself as a business. And so I I totally stumbled onto that. But all I knew was I could help people. I talked to them so they knew I could help them. And the rest kind of just locked into place. Of course, as time goes on, I was able to improve and optimize it. That happens to all of us. But if you can, for some reason, only do one or the other first, definitely uh, get in front of people and be talking to them first. Definitely get in front of people, 100%. Um, and, and just to sort of clarify what you were saying before when presenting the offer, um, you did something that I like to do as well, is that you sell against what everyone else was doing. You, you said that you can eat your, the foods that you want and you don't have to do this fad diet, whatever. Um, I really like that. I'm actually working right now with this speaker coach and she said that the number one mistake that so many speakers have, I had no idea, is that when they get to the close, like the pitch, first mm-hmm. off, they're just so afraid of doing it. So they just gloss over it and they just they just go feature. Okay, you're going to get this. You're going to get five calls. You're going to get unlimited Voxer. And this is the price. And it just completely destroys the energy of all the buildup basically um, because people are afraid. I'm curious, are people, are the students that you're working with, 
is it is that like a common mistake or a common false belief they might have? It's a very common mistake. And that's a really interesting way of putting it. I would say I see this all the time, right? Rushing through a sales call, rushing through a webinar, or even in before that, when you're marketing yourself, not talking about your offer because you're afraid of coming across as salesy. And I think mm. it's because so many of us want to like do right, do the right thing. And we've been taught that someone who sells is like yeah. a used car salesman. We yeah. immediately go to that image. Exactly. Like you can't sell and be a good person. It's like somehow we've formed this idea in our minds that they're mutually exclusive. And the truth there is that, I mean, once you reframe it into selling is frankly of service, right? Mm. First of all, when you realize people want help, no one is going to be tricked into buying from you. Everyone is like your potential clients are smart, capable human beings who are making the best decision for themselves. And so once you realize that it's about, Oh, okay. People want help. People are happy to, to pay for it. I, you know, done that myself. When you think about certain situations where you've been sold to and you've loved it and you've wanted to buy, you're able to reframe it into, okay, not being a bad person. I'm simply sharing what it is that I have to offer. I'm doing my best to do that. And then that way, someone who actually is excited to buy from me can do that. And someone who isn't, okay, great. They'll just move on. (laughs) Mm. We can, we can talk about all we want, but um, making people believe that is something different. So is it some sort of exercise or visualization or I I don't know what it is, but how do you guide your, your students through that? So the first thing is I would sit down and write out like, what's the real fear of being salesy, Mm -hmm. right? It's, I mean, there are a few common things that come up for a lot of people. It's first the fear that we're going to be judged and judged as bad people. Yes. Second is that we're going to be rejected right? Third, it might be like, we're going to be called out and people are going to be like, oh my gosh, you suck. And (laughs) it's once you really understand that, then you're able to kind of really face that. So um, when you're afraid of, for example, being rejected, you realize, okay, well, that's part of the process. Literally every single person gets rejected, but the, the person who is wanting my help, they're going to say yes. And I always have found it helpful to put myself in the other situation. Like think about times when I've rejected someone, right? Like not rejected, let's not use that word, but when I've said no to a, to an offer, to a pitch, to a sales call or something, just because it didn't feel right. It wasn't because I hated that person. It was nothing personal. It just wasn't the right offer for me. Um, when you're afraid of seeming a certain way, this, I found, I always love looking for evidence. I'm an engineer by training and anytime I can find evidence, I can find numbers, I can find things that really I can ground in. It's yeah, always helpful. Yeah. So I'll look for examples of people who are amazing at sales and really uh, good people, or at least they seem like good people and uh, just really in integrity. And so an example that's coming to mind, I'm not sure why, I mean, he does it so naturally is um, The Rock. So on yeah. his Instagram right now, he, at least recently, he founded a, an energy company and he believes so much in it because I think it's like hundred percent natural. It's a, a really groundbreaking energy drink and he sells it all the time. Same thing for his tequila. And so yeah. he does it very naturally, right? He, he'll just like, share a workout. Okay. Drinking my energy drink, having my cheat day, drinking my tequila. He'll share fun ads about it. He'll talk about meeting season, things like that. He's always selling. I think it feels like in every post, 
I don't mind. And obviously his audience isn't either. His sales are doing great and his mm. people love him. And that's because he's doing it in a way that's fun. People love his energy drink. People love his tequila. They want it. They want to see more of it. They want to see him just like believing in what he's talking about and sharing of the world. And really at the end of the day, that's what selling is. Yeah, he's, he's almost, it's like he's attached his life and his personality so much that to like an identity that people want to be part of that identity. It's, if I drink that tequila, I'm going to be like the rock. It's like, Maybe it's so get, silly. Right, a little bit of that that amazingness i know right it sounds so irrational but i feel like that's what it kind of is and um you know back to what that speaker example i was selling she mentioned instead of doing features and benefits you sell aspirations uh which is so key you know you're selling that good life you're getting people to feel really good um what life could be like painting that pleasing picture yeah, I I absolutely agree. I like to think about it a little bit differently. Mm. I really like to think about selling it as the result and the result of the result because aspirations yeah. can feel a little bit far off. And I know you're really in integrity, but I feel like that can be misinterpreted as selling like this big dream or a get rich quick scheme or, you know, whatever the equivalent is in any industry. And unfortunately, a few bad apples kind of ruin it for the rest of us. But when you ground it in, hey, this is the result that I can help you with. And once you get that result, what's the result of the result, right? So once you have like the amazing career that I can help you get, if I'm a career coach, what is that going to look like? You're going to have more happiness. You're going to have more fulfillment. So it's another way of thinking about the aspirations. But to me, that feels a lot more grounded. And in that case is something that I can wrap my head around, right? That feels more integrity for mm-hmm. me to talk about versus like promising like the sky and beyond. All right, let's draw it back a little bit, Jules. Just just, just sell the result, result. All right, I got it, I got it, all good. Hey, I wanna ask you, uh, I, I, we've, we've, got, we've got some really good content here for the audience. Um, I'd like to ask you a few personal questions. That's all right, um, Louisa. So- Love it, let's do it. All right, so inside of your business, I wanna hear your vision for the next six to 12 months. It's not that long time period, but I'd still like to hear it. Yeah, so for us within just the next year, the vision is very clear. It's to continue growing the uh, audience that we have and scaling out that impact. And so for us, it's how can we continue to create really great content on our current platforms Mm -hmm. and get it in front of more people? right? How can we double the number of people that we're connecting with every month? How can we triple it uh, and do that as efficiently and sustainably and quickly as possible? At this point in my business, what I also have is a lot of different products that I've created over the years, helping people. 15 courses or something? Over 15. Yeah. I don't, I can't remember the exact number off my head, but it's, it's kind of crazy looking back. Yeah. But um, the goal now is just to continue sharing that with as many people as possible. There's actually two other products that I want to finish before this year. And then I feel like I'm going to be in a really good place with all the different areas that I want to teach. So that's also a really big piece, having that completed product suite, because I really envision my website, um, my business as a place that people go to for really a comprehensive education on building a Mm. profitable, a meaningful, a real online coaching, consulting and course based business. So next year, it's clear, like stay the course, grow, be really focused, get the products out. Are you going to just out of curiosity, as they say, murder your darlings with the courses and consolidate them? Or are you just going to keep them into a suite 
and um, tighten them up a bit. I, I'm just curious to hear. Um, yeah, no, it. I mean, it's, it's a great question. Like thinking about how are you going to grow and how are you going to change as you grow? So for me, the vision has always been, I have a few flagship products that are very comprehensive. And they are for at specific stages of someone's business. So when you're starting out going from employee to entrepreneur, com comprehensive product, yeah. that's one of my, that's my top flagship product. When you're looking to scale and transition into products and courses, ultimate course launch, that's my second flagship product. Everything else I like to teach and focus on a certain segment. And it's very intentionally been that way because there's so many different areas that once you've got the foundations for your business, you can dive into and improve. And so with that, I think it's a little bit too overwhelming, honestly, to teach in one setting. And at different points, you're going to be wanting to focus on different things. So I'm actually intentionally created, I intentionally created them separately. And I mean, never say never, because you never know. But the plan is to keep them uh, separate, at least for the foreseeable at least, future. At least, at least for now, at least to get the data back. Yeah, then, then you'll figure it out. Hey, um, and sure. when, when you're trying to, you know, you're trying to, scale trying to double the numbers trying to do this all really fast um for you you're are you the ceo the entrepreneur the founder like just pretty much a few different top dog roles at the moment yeah so the way i think about myself in this business is i think about it myself as the business owner mm -hmm. so um in that role yes i i'm definitely the ceo i'm definitely the founder but these days i'm less and less the entrepreneur I've got an amazing team. I've got some amazing systems. So we're out of like the, you know, like the startup phase. We're really in the, okay, we know what works. We know our numbers. Okay, we have the right people in the right mm. places. All right, how can we, you know, add some rocket fuel or some more rocket fuel yeah, to that? Yeah. Okay, well, the reason why I asked is because obviously we all sometimes, especially in the beginning phase, we all wear different hats, but now I know where you're at. So you're, you're the business owner, but you also really want to scale two, you know, what's that one thing that, you know, you need to focus on that you might be a little bit afraid of in order to hit, hit your goals? You know, I'm looking for what I'm afraid of. And the truth is, I think the biggest, I'm not afraid of not hitting my goals at this point. And I mean, it's not been easy to get to this point. I want to make that very clear, right? It's been so much work. I've been doing this business alone for eight years. I mean, so many ups and downs and failures. Um, but at this point, it's not so much a fear of, okay, what do I need to hit my goals? We're pretty on point with that. I think it's more of the fear of like more visibility, right? I've built an amazing business. I love the business that I've created, the audience and the community I built and the content that I put out. But now it's thinking about, okay, as we get in front of more and more people, as that becomes more and more responsibility for me and really raises the bar continually, what is that going to look like for me? And so I'm just thinking through that mm -hmm. and really kind of overcoming my fears of even more increased visibility. Okay. We're, we're, okay. So more increased visibility. Um, is that just, is, that's not something you're afraid of, right? It's more like a, how do I, how do I, you know, go a level up than, from what we're doing right now? Is that what it is? Mm, no, actually I would say it, it there is a fear. So I know the how, right? It's it's the the tactical stuff we're doing, and mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna continue to do it. But it's okay right now. Um, you know, I have a pretty sizable audience. I'm pretty well known in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 
but at the same time, it's not like I have half a million followers on Instagram, right? We yeah. have, I would say an audience of low six figures, but that next step, like doubling it, tripling it, getting to like a million email readers. Yeah. I mean, thinking about sending out email and having a million people read it, it's just, it's, it's a different feel, right? It's, yeah. it's a different level of responsibility than before and really just wrapping my head around that. Okay. Well, if you don't mind asking, why is it really important to you to say, go from where you're at right now to say a million followers and all this, like, I know it's extra impact, more ripple effect, all that good stuff. But like, why is that really important to you? Yeah. So personally, um, the, the personal aspect is that I believe that if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Like as human beings, literally we are always growing. Um, that's the beauty of life. And so if I were just to stay at this point and continue to run my business, yeah, it's great. It's amazing. I'm so grateful for it. But I at least hopefully have a good few decades left of my life. Why the heck wouldn't I be continuing to grow and see what challenges come yeah. from that? So that's the personal piece. And then from the non-personal piece, well, this is also personal, but just from out like externally, there's just so many people out there who I believe need what I have to share. I believe in my products. I believe they're best in class mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I put my heart and soul into creating them. And so it'd be, I feel like it'd be a waste at this point to have created it and to not do my job and continue to make sure that as many people as possible have the chance to, to learn about it and yeah, use them yeah. if they want. Yeah. It's like all the people you, who could be missing out on your message that, you know, you could help impact. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, got it. Well, Louisa, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, now, you've, now's the fun part. Now you get to have the stage if you've got an event coming up or you've got something you want to promote, maybe a lead magnet. You're more than welcome to um, talk about it right now. Yeah, so I would say this whole thing has been fun. <laughs> I've loved uh, the, the angle of talking about the stories that you shared. So if anyone, um, if anyone listening, you loved everything we talked about and you want to continue connecting with me, I do have a great PDF on my escape philosophy plan to transition from your nine to five and build a six-figure online coaching business. You can get that PDF at luisajo.com slash gift. And I'm going to spell my name really quickly because it's not spelled how it sounds. It's L-U-I-S-A-Z as in zebra, H-O-U dot com slash gift. And then if you want to connect with me even further and send me a DM, let me know if you've loved this interview. I am on Instagram at Louisa.joe. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Louisa. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, this is Jules here. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. I really appreciate it. So if you want to go check out my guests, freebie, what they spoke about, learn a little bit more about them, maybe they've got an event they spoke about on the podcast, you're going to find all the information below in the podcast notes. And on top of that, if you really enjoyed the podcast, if you absolutely loved Storytelling Secrets, I'd really appreciate it if you go leave a review on iTunes. It helps get the podcast out to more people and uh, I'd be really, really grateful. On top of that, if you leave a review, a written review, I'd be more than happy to read it out on air. So you're more than welcome to drop a note, say hello to a friend, promote your business, whatever. The mic is yours, so to speak. So other than that, thank you so much for listening. Go leave a review and I'll see you next time on the podcast.